0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. I kind of want to set this up. Um, we had our small groups, uh, second uh, second s- semester, second quarter, whatever you want to call it, this past um Fourth quarter began in October, November. We wrapped it up in December, and so our gathering Bible study group, uh, we were we were looking at several. Um, each lesson dealt with portions of Scripture um, that uh, really digging in on them and trying to understand what is the Word of God actually trying to say to us. And we we're looking at verses of Scripture that had been misused, and I know all of us can have maybe a story. Uh, someone we know um, that has maybe taken scripture and taken it out of context. And so we really dug in and it's like, okay, how do we study the Word of God? How do we rightly divide the word of truth and how do we understand what it's saying and how can we apply it to our lives? And so one of the lessons that I taught right in the middle of the of the small group semester uh, was on in an, an early Saturday morning and, uh, and there was a smaller group there that day, and uh, so we we had the lesson. There were several that were unable to be there, um, and so uh, I had given some notes out, and Brother Bishop was one that I'd connect with, and he was looking at the notes. He's like, I need you to teach me this lesson, so we were supposed to, last Sunday, before service, we were going to have a little Bible study, and uh, he was sick, and uh, so he wasn't able to join it, and so I was kind of working yesterday and trying to understand what what God wanted me to uh, speak on this morning, and he just kind of directed me back to this lesson. I thought, this is perfect. I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll take care of Brother Bishop's Bible study, and I'll include everyone else uh, this morning. So uh, apologies for those that were in on the Bible study Uh, But maybe you didn't take good notes the first time, and maybe the second go around, you're like, oh, yeah, man, I missed that. So we're going to be in John chapter 14, and uh, the title that I want to speak to you uh, uh, from is this, when when you pray, when you pray. And we're going to look at probably one of the most misused verses in the Bible, uh, John chapter 14. And uh, we'll read verses 13 and 14 of John chapter 14. These are the words of Jesus, and, and he's. you may ask me for what? Are you ready for this? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. All right, so talking to you on on when you pray this morning. Amazing verse, right? But it is a a verse nonetheless that many have have misused and misapplied and, and taken out of context, okay? So if you pray, Jesus said, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So if you pray in faith, in the name of Jesus, it's going to happen, right? You're, you're going to get whatever you're praying for. You're going you're to get the job, right? You're going to get the girl. You're going to get the house, right? You're going to win the lottery. I don't, I don't know. But I prayed for it in his name, and that's when How many of you... Let me ask you. How many of you have prayed for something before, and it never happened? <laughs> Nearly 100%, right? okay maybe for maybe for something to take place in your life whether that was um you receiving a healing or someone you love that was had a disease and you prayed for them god heal them in the name of jesus um and and maybe they were never healed so obviously then this verse does not work right obviously this is not really what Jesus was saying, and maybe it's not true, or perhaps maybe we are a little warped in our understanding and in our application of what Jesus was actually saying. And so, what I want to what I want to do today is I, I want to kind of give you um, just a real quick simplified version of Gin. If you were with us in the gathering Bible studies. Uh, we'll we'll rehash this right of how do we learn to interpret Scripture, okay? Three real simple thoughts, okay, if you're taking notes, to find the real meaning in Scripture. Number one, we need to understand the context. Everybody say context. Context, what does that mean, okay? We want to know not just what the verse says, but what is coming before the verse? What is coming after the verse? Who wrote the verse? To whom was it written? What was happening? What is the major theme? What is God trying to say through this author? We want to understand what the context is. We don't want to just, we don't want to just pull a verse out, right, and, 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 and build something, right? And let's be honest, all of us are going to do this sometime. Okay, I've done this, you've done this, we've all done this. It doesn't mean that we are heretics. It doesn't mean that we're going to hell, okay? It just means that we're simply, uh, we're, we're learning in our understanding uh, of Scripture. But we, we definitely want to embrace and we definitely want to understand what the context is. So number one, the context. The second thing uh, we wanna do is we want to interpret Scripture with scripture. Okay. And this is really, really important. Okay. In other words, the best way to understand the Bible is with the Bible. That's the best way to understand the Bible. Okay. Let Scripture interpret scripture. So use other scriptures. Search throughout the whole Bible and and, 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 and again, not taking one verse and building a life theology around one verse and now am i saying go home and rip all the one verses you have off your refrigerator absolutely not that's not what i'm saying but what i'm getting at is we're going to take a verse and we're going to look at what other verses has to say about the similar theme right and we're going to then build our theology over the consistency of what 66 other authors that were inspired by the Holy Ghost, and we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, okay? That's what we're going to do. We're not going to build a theology off of one verse, build a doctrine, build a church off of one verse. We're going to, let's be a whole Bible church, all right? So number three then, uh, so we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, uh, understand the context. And then the third thing, is we're going to then apply what we learn. We're going to apply what we learn. Uh, and I, I said this in our, in our um, small group, that the Bible is, is not just a book to be studied. Um, it, is a, it is a letter from God to be lived out. Okay? It is a letter from God to be lived. We want to apply it to our lives. So, so that's what I want to do today, as we, as we look at John 14, the words of Jesus, you can have whatever you ask for in my name. Okay, we want to understand what that means. We want to understand the context, interpret the Bible with the Bible, and then apply it to our lives. So let's, let's start with the context. Uh, pop quiz Who wrote the book of John? Okay. And you laugh because it's right, self-explanatory. It is John. It's not a trick question. Um, John is our author this morning. Uh, That's as easy as it gets, right? So, um, what's what's the main main theme? What's going on in the book of John? Okay, if you know your Bible, I'll just give you a real quick: what is happening in the book of John? The book of John. John was trying to showcase, trying to prove that Jesus is the son of god. Okay? That Jesus was god in the flesh. That's that's the main theme of the book of John. And he starts out with in John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god. Jump down, and the word became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us. So, what's the context then of John 14? We've looked at we've looked at one verse Um, let me tell you about the whole chapter of John 14. If you go all the way back to the beginning of John 14, it starts out, and Jesus essentially says, hey, don't be afraid, okay? I'm I'm going away to prepare a place for you. In my house, there are many mansions, many rooms, which will be for you. Don't, Don't worry, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is like, when I go away, I've, you know, don't, don't be dismayed. Don't be downtrodden. I've got really good news for you, okay? It's only going to get better for you when I go away because I'm going to send the comforter who will dwell within you. Even though I'm going away, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So if you look then at the main theme of John 14, Jesus is really talking not about prayer, but about the preparations that he's making for you. Okay, so what's the context of John again? To prove that Jesus is God, to prove that Jesus is God in the flesh. What's the big theme of John 14? It's not actually about prayer. The big theme is the preparations that Jesus is going to make. Okay, so with that understanding, let's reread a portion of the verse. And this time, let's do it from the perspective of not making ourselves the main character in the text. We're really good at doing that, aren't we? We're really good at putting ourselves in the text, and this is about me, and this is all about me. We're not the main character of the Bible. Sorry. I'm sorry. Starting off the year right, okay? Let's always remember and respect who is the main character in the text, and that's God, okay? So God is always the main character in the Bible, not us. So let's read it then with that context and understanding. John 14, 13, Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Then what does he say? So that. What's the purpose here, okay? Why is he going to do this? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay, so do you see what just happened? The reason that God answers prayers is not so that our life would get better. It's not so that we would have money, that we we would have our dream car that we're able to drive around and we'll be able to move into our dream house later this year. That's not the reason that God answers prayer, okay? The reason that God answers prayer is so that the Father may be glorified in heaven. So when we, when we read this, not as seeing ourselves as the main subject, but in seeing God as the main subject, we recognize there is a much different purpose for our prayers than what many often realize. So Bryce, why are you dealing with this today? Why are you talking about this today? Why are you kicking off the very first adult Bible Sunday school lesson with this topic. I'll tell you why I'm dealing with this today is because as a minister, I would argue that perhaps this is maybe the number one reason why I've seen people walk away from their faith in God. I prayed for it. I believed. I believed God could do it. I believed God would do it. He didn't do it. Therefore, he, he, he isn't real or he doesn't care or he's just, he's just not good. I, I've, seen people, I've seen people walk away from their faith in God because God did not do what we wanted God to do. God didn't perform like we thought he should perform. Like how we thought, come on, when you pray, you've got it kind of built out in your mind how things should go, how things are going to go. And then God does something completely opposite, and all of a sudden, God is not the God that we thought that he was. Um, so understanding the context, let, let's, let's take a moment, um, and let's try to translate. So we understand what the context is. Let's, let's try to translate scripture with scripture. In other words, what else does the Bible have to say about this? What are, what are some other scriptures? When, when we're talking about prayer, the theme of prayer, when we're looking throughout the Bible, let's... What are some other themes? What are some other topics in the Bible? What do some other scriptures have to say? Let's look at a few things. And with the, with the question of what does God care about when we pray? What matters to God when we pray? We're going to look at a few things as we kind of uh, take a stroll through scripture. But the first thing I think we need to recognize is this. Number one, when we're talking about what matters to God when we pray, Number one, I think that jumps out in the word of God is relationships. Our our relationships matter, okay? Your relationships matter to God. And it's important to know that when you pray. You go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, Jesus said this. He said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Amazing promise, right? Love it. Next verse. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what? What are you to do? Okay, this is what he says. Forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sin. So when you're praying, if you're ticked at somebody, okay, he's saying deal with that relationship before you keep on praying. Evidently, your relationships matter to God whenever you're praying. You know, it, it, it's like, you know, God, I, I, I want this, and, and this is what I want, and I want this, and this is, this is, the, and then we're pointed out, and we're we're. We're submitting to them, God, I want this, and I'm praying for this. In Jesus' name, I want this. Oh, but I hate my brother. I'm sorry you're not getting this that you're praying for until you make that right. Okay? As a parent, we know this, we know this is true, right? He hit me. I hate her, and, and she's touching me, and she came in my room, and, and they're touching my stuff, and uh, hey, can I have a friend over? What's the answer, mom and dad? No, no friend over it. Until you get along, until you get along with your brothers and your sisters, you're not getting what? What you asked for, okay? As a parent, it's pretty simple and evidently to some degree, this matters to God okay our relationships matter to god in fact let me talk to the husbands just for a moment wives don't elbow them do not say amen just sit there and look forward and pretend like i'm talking about somebody else's husband and let god work on your husband okay so this is what the bible says just a little hint for you first peter 3 and 7 says husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner has and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that what? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So evidently, there's something else that matters to God when you pray, and it's your relationships matter. Your relationships, they matter to God. Another thing when we're asking the question, what matters to God when we pray, is, is uh, motives. When I say motives? Motives. Motives matter to God, huge, huge. And I've heard hundreds of sermons on motives, and I love that subject. But they matter. They matter when we're praying. James, the brother of Jesus, said this in in chapter 4, verse 3. He said, when you ask, you do not receive. Because sometimes, what are you doing? Okay? You're asking amiss. You're, You're asking what? With the wrong motives. And that was common in the day of Jesus. That was very common in the day of Jesus. The Pharisees often had the wrong motives. You know, And I know you know the story of the Pharisees, what they wanted to be seen, they wanted to be heard, right? They, they, they would stand on the street corners and they would pray these loud, these fancy prayers, "Dear God, Father in heaven, I am so glad I am not like those Gentiles. OK? I pray, and I'm holy, and I pray loud, and I pray long prayers, and I say all the right thuses and thous, and and God's saying, that's the wrong motive. That's the wrong motive. Jesus would say, you're a hypocrite when you do this, and we're all susceptible to this. We are all susceptible. Your motives matter when you pray. Um. Proverbs 16 and 2 said, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but the but the what? The motives are weighed by the Lord. Your motives matter. Your relationships matter. Another thing that matters to God when you pray is faith. Faith appears to matter. This is and this is a huge one. Um, James said it this way in, in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is, is, is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to do what. Receive anything from the Lord. So faith matters whenever we're praying. When you're praying to God, your faith matters. I love, I love when Jesus talks about um, childlike faith. It, it, and, and some of you, uh, if, if you've had a, a young child or a, a grandchild who really trusted in Jesus, there's something beautiful, something powerful when you see a child praying, you see that childlike uh, faith. Um, and and we we pray we always pray for our food at home and and uh, since Ethan came into the picture it's always been God is good God is great let us thank Him for our food in Jesus name Amen and so uh, we prayed that prayer and uh, Bennett comes in the picture and he joins in and and Reddick now it's it's so cute and funny to see. We'll ask him now and say, hey, do you want to pray for the food? And and he'll just put his hands together, put his head down like that, and and he'll say, God's good, amen. Short and sweet, and if you're really hungry, you appreciate those short prayers, amen? (laughs) How many know some of those old school people who you ask them to pray, like, oh, this food is going to be cold by the time they get done? When I first got in the church, we had an elder minister, and uh, we would ask him to pray for the food. And before you knew it, we were praying for the war in Iraq. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I'm worried about this rack of ribs over here. I'm not I don't even know what you're talking about right now. But you know you got your head down, and all of a sudden you just start. to... Is he winding this up? Close it up. But uh, so Redick has joined in praying. And there's something sweet about that. There's something cute and powerful. A few weeks ago, uh, Bennett had a, a virus. He had a fever and uh, wasn't feeling good and, and was laying at the end of our bed. And um, I had stayed home with him that day, I believe. And uh, Mal wasn't there, but um, I was in the kitchen and I heard, him, I heard him say something. I thought he was hollering for me uh, that he needed something, you know, a drink or uh, whatever. So I go in there and I was like, do you say something, bud? And he just looked at me. He said, I was just praying for myself. I was like, oh. <laughs> He's just saying a prayer for himself because he was sick and he believed that God could touch him. And then there's something beautiful. There's something powerful about that when kids pray. I, I, I read a story one time of a little girl who had um, poison ivy and uh, and I mean, they. The story goes that it was she was covered head to toe in, in poison ivy, and she, and she prayed about it, and and her prayer was something like this: "Dear Jesus, I I love you, and you love me, and I thank you that you're going to heal me, and when I wake up in the morning, I'm not going to have any poison iv- ivy on me whatsoever." You are my Jesus because I love you and you love me. Amen. Childlike faith, right? And the story goes that her dad, who who was a minister, tried to help her a little bit and understand why God may not answer that prayer, right? Why God uh, may not. He said, you know, now God might do this, and so... You know, but he might not, so I don't want you to be devastated when you would. And she, and she looked at him kind of confused and like, and, and you know, well I, well, I asked him, you know, and I asked him, and I believe he would. the next morning, she comes in, and she flips on the lights, and she says, ta-da, not, an, not any poison ivy on her body whatsoever. There was no sign that there was ever any poison ivy. And here her dad is over there trying to explain it away, you know, but God honored her childlike faith when her dad tried to talk her out of it uh, and, 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 uh, and believing that God could do anything because evidently to some degree, and I can't fully explain it, but our faith matters to God our faith. In fact, whenever uh, two blind men came to Jesus and, and said, have mercy on us, Jesus, in Mark chapter 9, he did this. The scripture says he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And their sight was restored. Why? Because your faith matters to God. So if you're taking really good notes here this morning, here's what you can probably conclude, right? All right, Bryce, if I have good relationships and if my motives are pure, okay, and if I have enough faith, if I'm looking at my notes and I'm writing down whatever thing you said and I've followed all the points so far, you're saying if I've got all of those three right, then all of a sudden, God has to do whatever I ask him to do. Now. When we believe that, we slip into sort of what some have called the prosperity gospel or the name it and claim it or uh, what's the other one? The, uh, the blab it and grab it, you know, the prosperity gospel. You know what channel they're on. And, um, and so... When we believe that, that's kind of where we say, God, I want that in Jesus' name. I want that car. That car's mine. I claim it. I'm confessing it to be mine. I'm not even employed right now. I don't even have a stream of income. But bless God, it's coming my way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay? or maybe when you were younger, that girl walks into Bible study, she's mine, I claim her, I claim her before you, Bob. All right, something like that. I claim it, name it, and claim it. I All I gotta do is just have enough faith, right? And it's gotta be done. It's up to me, it's up to my faith, it's up to me. So what I'm doing right now is... Uh, it, uh, make, maybe may making some of you a little nervous but, uh, because you've been raised in this, right? But uh, hang with me for just a second because this is really serious. If, if, if I have enough faith, if my motives are pure, if my relationship, with, if, if they're right, everything is good, I check all the boxes. If I do this, then God's got to perform. And all of a sudden, we have turned God into all of a sudden our genie that's popped out. Our, 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 our cosmic Coke machine, right? Where we've gone up and we've put the money in and we've made our selection. Now, this is what has to come out, right? Because we did our part. Now, God has to do his part. The last thing I just want to share with you is is probably the most important is that we need to understand what matters to God when we pray. What matters to Him when we pray? Yes, our relationships matter. Yes, our motives matter. matter. And yes, our faith matters. But what else matters? God's will matters. God's will matters. I'm gonna ask our music to come. God's will, His, His sovereign nature, His goodness, his character, his eternal plan. I got one running to the altar already. God's will matters. Who's our author of the book of John? All right. The very same John, later on, said, you can have anything you pray. He also said this in 1 John. He said, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, oh man, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And he and goes on, and if we, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him if we ask it according to his will. We, we cannot ask him for just whatever we want and demand that he does it for us. What does that do? That makes us God and not him. It's not according to his will. It's it's according to our will. So if we understand that, then suddenly our main text might make a little more sense to us when we read it again. Jesus said, you may ask me for anything, in what in my name and I will do it in my name in other words if we're going to if we're going to if we're going to him and we're using his name then we need to ask something according to his will or we discredit him altogether let me give you an example. And, and maybe you've done this and maybe it's been done to you, but maybe you had, have a long-standing relationship at a, at a, at a business somewhere, right? You, you frequent a place, you're in there every day, every week. And, and all of a sudden you have a friend that needs something from that same establishment, right? And they're talking to you about it. And you're like, oh, I know just the place. I know just the place to go. Go down to this place. And when you go in there, you tell them that Bryce sent you. Okay? Tell them that Bryce sent you. What am I doing? I'm giving you access to a long-standing relationship. And I'm giving you access to that relationship even though you do not have it. You don't know them like I know them. Okay, You don't support them like I support them, but it's a privilege that I'm giving you and a responsibility that I'm giving you. I'm giving you something that you did not earn. Listen, when you go before him and you use his name, you have access to the creator of the universe because he's given you that kind of permission. Because of what he did, he gives you the right to speak that you did not deserve to speak in the first place. Suddenly then, with that understanding, you recognize using the name of Jesus is a massive responsibility and a privilege. You and I have the privilege to enter into the throne room of grace because of what Jesus did and because of who he is. Therefore, this is not the key that unlocks the lock to get me what I want. I come in honoring Jesus who gave me access to all of it. And here's what happens. We pray, and sometimes God does a miracle, We pray and sometimes God opens the door and blessings begin to flow and answers to our questions begin to come forward. We pray and that happens and then sometimes it doesn't go like we want it to go. And the tragedy is too many people walk away from God because God didn't do exactly what they wanted him to do. I'm sure I'm not the only one in here who's had prayers that they've been praying for a long time. I'm sure I'm not the only one in here who's prayed the same prayer for the same person, for the same situation every single day, praying about it and praying about it. I have those prayers that I pray every morning, and God still has an answer. But I'm still praying every single day. Every day I pray, every day, and here's the thing, every single day that I pray this prayer, I believe this is the day. I believe this is the day that God's going to do it i believe every single day that i pray god still has an answer but here's what you need to know this is what i believe today when i prayed i believe that god can do it i believe that god will do it but even if he doesn't i still believe i still believe I still believe and I still pray but even if he doesn't I still believe. Why? Because my faith is not it does my faith in God does not rest on what he does or does not do. My faith rests in what he already did. My faith rests in what what he's already accomplished. And for that reason alone, I am settled. I am unwavering. I am, I, am, I am not faulting on this at all. I am standing on the rock, Christ Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I pray today, I still believed because my faith rests on what Jesus already did for me on the cross and on, in an empty tomb. If prayer is only a tool for me to get what I want, that's an insult to the God that we serve and worship today. Imagine if I went to my earthly father like that. Dad, give me this. Dad, give me this, give me this, give me this. In the Jones family name, give me this. What does it do? It makes my dad my servant, and, and, and God is not our servant. We're, we're his servants. <laughs> we're not the main character. God's the main character. If he doesn't do what I want him to do, that doesn't lessen who he is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lessen. Uh, it doesn't lessen uh, his goodness. It doesn't lessen his greatness. It doesn't do. Any, it doesn't wreck my faith. Why? Because my faith is not based on him doing what I demand him to do. My faith is based in his love. <laughs> When he came and, and gave his life and, and, and all of a sudden when I know that, when we know that, suddenly that changes everything that we know about prayer. If I have anything I ask in his name, it'll be done unto me. Why? So that the Father in heaven may be glorified. You see, it's more about him. Prayer, is, prayer isn't just for me to get my wish list accomplished. Prayer is the avenue through which I get to know God and for Him to receive glory. It's the avenue through which I get to know God and give Him glory. It's not just getting Him to do what I want Him to do. It's me getting to know Him. It's me hearing from Him, hearing His voice, knowing His voice, being in tune with His Spirit, and bringing Him glory. Amen. Stand with me this morning, if you will. purpose of God answering my prayers, our prayers. Again, it's, it's not just to give us a better life. It's so that he would get glory. The reason I pray is not just, God, I, I, this is what I want, do this for me. No. The reason that I pray is to submit my will to his will. God, let it line up with with your will. Because it's that kind of mindset and attitude going into prayer that doesn't wreck a person's faith. And again, I said, that's why I'm talking about this this morning. I don't want to see somebody walk away from God in 2024 because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. I'm here to tell you, you're going to pray some things this year that will not happen. You're going to pray for some things that God will not do. So it's important to know, when you pray, what matters? What matters to God? So with that understanding... I hope that your faith is built. I hope that you do go into this year and you pray some big prayers. I believe that we should. I believe that we should pray big, bold, dangerous prayers, all right? I think that we should, and I hope that we do. I hope that you trust God whenever you pray. I hope that you trust that he will, but even if he doesn't, I hope that you would all still be standing there at the end of the day saying, God, I still believe. I still believe that you're good. I still believe that you're faithful because my faith does not rest on you doing something or not doing something. It rests in what you've already done. And what you've already done is enough. I know it's become cliche at this point whenever we say, if God never does anything else for me again, I'll still worship him and I'll serve him because he's done enough for me. I truly, I know that's cliche, but I hope that you truly feel that way. I hope that we all have the understanding today that he's already done enough. He's already accomplished enough. That's not to say that he's not going to answer our prayers That's not to say that he's not going to honor our faith, but it's just going to be there and not wreck us in the moment that something doesn't go our way when we pray. I think all of us want God's will more than anything. I hope you do, because that's his ways, his plans. They're far better than than ours. And I know sometimes the answer prayer doesn't look like what we thought it was, but I I challenge you to walk in it anyways. Walking in any you not don't, you don't have to see all the pieces of the puzzle to know what the picture is. Trust God. If it's his will, it's going to be everything that you wanted and so much more. Bow your head with me. Let's pray this morning. Father, we... Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day, and God bless.